You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And who eats a sweet potato at 9 a.m.? God damn it, you probably only put salt and butter on it, too. Probably not even salt, like low-sodium salt and non-fat butter. I hate you. (laughs) He didn't hear any of this and he needs to hear it. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone. I have definitely not been harassed by my two co-hosts in the last five minutes leading up to this. Guys, what do you think is weirder that I like to to draft players all the time or eat sweet potatoes for breakfast. What, what, what do we want to start on the podcast with? Your sweet potato breakfast routine is weird. Why? Cause you're old. I imagine old men heat up a, a sweet potato in the morning and put a little salt on there. And you probably use low sodium salt and nonfat butter too. There's such thing as low sodium salt. That doesn't make any sense. I like to load it with peanut butter and uh, chalk it full of nuts and some chia seeds, and it's a nutritious start to the day. It's known so called me the other day to tell me he was looking for organic firewood, and I tried to tell him that's just firewood. It was like not chemical. So we can't, well, people don't need to know about the firewood tendencies in the Sinone household. Uh, it's not necessary. What we do want to start off with, I'm going to flip the script here on Josh because he's been so mean to me. Josh, you weren't super optimistic about Jermaine Johnson when we had the last podcast. And now Jermaine Johnson, the Georgia transfer, is coming to Florida State. A big time get yeah, for the Seminoles even at defensive end. Yeah, you know, we we knew that Florida State made a big push for Jermaine Johnson the moment that he hit the portal. Uh, the six foot five, 250 pound outside linebacker, edge rusher. Um did a stint in JUCO before going to Georgia. Spent the last two seasons at UGA. Um, I wasn't optimistic, Brendan, but you know I should have given the FSU staff more credit in landing a guy with four career uh, with a high of four five, career tackles five, in a game. Five, five, five career sacks. So sorry, I thought you were going to say he only had four career sacks, and I'll say do not make that mistake. No, he's he, actually, high for he actually has seven and a half career sacks in college, five this past season, two and a half in the prior season. Thank you, Christopher. How was, your, how was your Christmas, Chris? It was fantastic. Thanks for asking. So let's, let's dive into the Jermaine Johnson commitment because that was the big news from the last few days, and uh, even though Josh was terribly, terribly wrong on on his foresight there, uh, FSU does close the gap really quickly. That's what we can say, right, is that FSU had a need at defensive end. Uh, he entered the transfer portal. They were playing behind presumably Florida and Penn State, and they made up that ground within a day. So we feel really not to overreact to one movement there, but there is a little bit of levity and like, oh, this staff uh, can get things done quickly, which I think is is refreshing. Yeah, and they addressed a major position of need that became an even bigger position of need because of the departure of two veterans, albeit not very productive ones. But, you know, the fact that they're addressing needs and they're doing it quickly and they're doing it effectively with higher-end players through the portal is what we all dream and hope for. Yeah, and we we knew the ones that they are going to get are going to go down quick. Um, This was another example of that. I'm not sure what's going on with the Andrew Parchment stuff. I've been hearing some conflicting 
I wouldn't say reports, but um, from my sources, some, you know, he's going to be a May enrollee. Um, so some people I talk to within the FSU program are telling me that there is no rush for him to get committed and get in on board. They're not really expecting it. But on the other hand, Andrew Parchment has told us that he does plan to make a decision here before New Year's. So um, that could get done quickly as well. I did reach out to Andrew yesterday just to say, hey, man, you still planning before New Year's a commitment and haven't heard back yet. There wasn't a heart emoji. There was nothing. So I was I told know. he still has classes to get done at Kansas before he can um, make the transfer. So those that are recruiting him aren't, don't really understand why there would be a quick timeline. But, you know, they also don't mind it. But If, if he I'm wanted just, to be a, a likely May enrollee. Uh, and he'd also be a kid that would be committed. He would commit now. But obviously between now and May, he could he could be recruited by anybody in the country and the commitment isn't binding. It's just whenever he enrolls. So Andrew Parchment still weighs out. What from, I don't understand the campus. Here's what I don't understand about that. Josh, you and I talked about on the phone before recording and Chris, maybe you can help out too with this. If the NCAA is allowing for a one-time transfer, like no penalty, you can transfer wherever you want. If that's my understanding of the rule, uh, why does one have to be a graduate transfer to, to go to their school of destination, unless they just want to get their own degree. But Corey Durden kind of ran into the same thing where he didn't graduate, was going to enroll at NC State in January, and now it looks like he has to finish up classes at Florida State. I'm confused. I'm not positive. I'd have to review both the bylaw and kind of dive into the case of Parchment. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm truthfully just not sure. You know, he, he went to JUCO. Well, he went to NIU, then JUCO, then Kansas. So I don't know if the fact that he is a bounce back, if that impacts it for some reason, I don't know. Oh, Just kind of spitballing. Maybe. But that wouldn't impact Durden. Durden's been FSU and only FSU. So, you know, not sure. It's a weird In some thing. cases, it may just simply be if you transfer, sometimes credits get lost in the transfer, and these guys just want to earn their degree, so they're finishing where they are at on the path that they were on. And that makes the most sense to me. Uh, sorry, if you hear clicking in the background, it's because BNGO stock is up 40% today and daddy's making his nut. Daddy oh. is making his nut. You jealous, Josh? Oh, my God. No, I'm grossed out. <laughs> to circle back a little bit on Jermaine Johnson, I think it might be the most important addition they've had so far this year. More regardless. so than McKenzie Milton? Because I was having that conversation with someone the other day. That's that's a tough feat. I want to hear you two argue this one out. Well, Chris, I mean, go ahead and make your case, Chris. I think, I, I think Milton's a great get. I think he helps, obviously, with the experience. I think he helps with leadership. He certainly can elevate the quarterback room, an extremely important room. So I completely understand why the argument could be there. But FSU has been dreadfully shittacular at rushing the passer off the edge in recent years. And truthfully, since Brian Burns departed campus, they haven't had anybody that could do it. And here's a guy that had productivity in the SEC as a reserve player, you know, 21 games under his belt in the college game, four starts, I believe it is, you know, and he has production to point to. I just, I think it's an area where they needed a guy now more than any other spot on that team. Milton obviously elevates quarterback room and helps, but I don't know. I, I think they could have survived without Milton more than they could survive without Johnson, I guess is why I would say Johnson is more important out of those two. Probably a bigger position of need in the grand scheme of things, Chris. So I, I do get that point. And I think there's some inherent value to having McKenzie Milton and you can't really quantify the value that he brings as a leader, as a winner at that position. But yeah. that, that's Milton was also a statement addition. 
it grabs more headlines. It opens more eyes. It has a little bit more of a lingering effect than a guy like yeah. Johnson in the sense of trying to get others in here. I think it's definitely Mackenzie Milton. I yeah. mean, you got a guy who in the, in this is a quarterback driven league. You got a guy that can come in and make an impact on every single snap. Whereas like, I, I think, you know, in, in a way we're also romanticizing Jermaine Johnson, just a tad. Like I said, he's a guy that whose career high in tackles is, is four and he has seven sacks in his career or six or five or whatever you want to say. It's not like FSU poached one of the best players on Georgia's defense. And, you know, Mackenzie Milton, on the other hand, however, has not only gone out and proved it, he's come off an injury where he's shown that he is indeed healthy and he can also make an impact in the locker room. I don't think it's even close. I'm taking uh, – I think Mackenzie Milton makes a much bigger impact. I think Johnson got Chris. Help, I think Johnson can help elevate a defense on all three levels. FSU's inability to rush a passer leaves their DBs at a deficient position and also hinders their linebackers. If you get a better pass rush instantaneously, you're going to have a better defense. And yes, I am romanticizing them to a certain degree, but it's because FSU had not addressed a massive need at defensive end since the minute Brian Burns left campus. And it's just mind blowing to me that it took until now. Yeah, no. And I do agree with you. I think he is the best uh, pass rusher to walk on, campus since Brian Burns, but that doesn't say a whole lot when, you know, Kendo leaves without a, a sack against the P5 team. So that just shows how down FSU's pass rush actually is. I think that we can have an argument or a debate uh, to both players, at least shows and make reasonable points on each side shows what Florida state has done so far in the transfer portal is fairly impressive. Uh, the one thing I'll add on Jermaine Johnson real quick, because we got to look at his film a little bit more, went through the analytics. Yeah, he, he's not a double-digit sack guy at, at this level. So it's not like FSU went and snagged an elite player, but it did get a above-average, above-replacement-level starter at defensive end when they were probably hitting the average to below-average range. And specifically, Definitely. Jermaine Johnson gets to the quarterback. I think that's even four and a half, five sacks, whatever it is, uh, FSU's defensive ends had three combined this past year, three from every single defensive end. And he, he, he surpassed that and nearly doubled that total in 90 something snaps. So that's the appeal. That's what you're looking at is he's a versatile defender, sets the edge. Well, gets to the quarterback and even playing space and drop into coverage. I think that's a big get for Florida state. So it's not to undercut that, that it's an important one. I just think McKenzie Milton's a little bit more important. You know, what else is important guys. Market Square Liquors. <laughs> it's New Year's coming up. We need to get our champagne on. Popping them bottles. Have you ever popped a champagne bottle? I'm kind of afraid to. Are you kidding? I don't want to pop a bottle. I'm afraid I'm going to pop my eye out. You mean like savor it or just with your hands? You've never opened a bottle of champagne? I only open it by smashing it alongside my New York. <laughs> Hold on, Brendan. You've money. never opened a bottle of champagne. I'm trying to think. I feel like I made mimosas on our honeymoon, but I don't know how I would have done that. <laughs> Honey, can you do this for me? That's probably how it went. I don't want to, I've seen stories where it like hits people in the eye. I'm very sensitive to things flying in my eye. I had a bug fly in there once on, my, on a first date with a girl. We were walking around Lake Ella and uh, a bug flew in there and I had an allergic reaction to where it swelled up. Basically like the eyelids swelled You're shut. You're so lucky you're married. How was the second date? No, there was not a second date, unfortunately. And unsurprisingly. Fortunately for her. I had to get a uh, steroid shot in my butt to help stop the allergic reaction. 
Anyways, Market Square Liquors <laughs> is, uh, is your one-stop shop for all your your New Year's Eve supplies. You want to go and, and get some some beer to celebrate. They have your uh, huge wall of beer in the back. If you want to get some nice spirits like a like a bourbon or they have some local ology vodka for mixing, I would suggest looking into their, their spirit section. And then obviously their champagne selection is is pretty elite from, from what I understand. So Market Square Liquors, we've really enjoyed having them as our sponsor the last, uh, I guess this football season, last three months. Please go ahead and support them. Check them out on Timberlane Road in North Tallahassee. All right, let's go back into a few more portal things, guys. Uh, we mentioned Andrew Parchment. His decision time seems to be kind of, I don't know. I mean, still New Year's is is what he told us last, but you know, there's some sources that are saying maybe that's a little premature. We'll see. Uh, anything else in the portal? Oh, the defensive lineman. Let's go into that real quick. Three names to throw out there. We talked about two of them previously. One is Arnold Ebeketi from Temple, the edge rusher. Another is Iko Liotta, edge defender from Northwestern. Uh, can confirm that FSU has interest in both of those guys. I think they're still very much so looking at pass rushers at this point. And the final is Antonio Shelton, defensive tackle from Penn State. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw this to you. There, there were some tweets last night that seemed to imply that FSU may be getting someone in the 2021 cycle. And I think people are connecting dots that it's Antonio Shelton, but we don't know that for a fact as we record this on Monday morning. Yeah, correct. I, I'm working under presumption in connecting dots at those pertain to Antonio Schoen. And that's not to say he's in the bag, he's locked up, it's done. Not sure that's the case. I know they definitely have interest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Penn State veteran defensive tackle, senior, strong upper body kid, played a lot of games, a lot of experience, productive guy, good player. He's graduated from Penn State. He's just looking for a one-year stop somewhere. He'd be a guy that certainly elevates that room for them. I don't know. if he. Who does? Where does he fit in? Where do you think he fits in? You mean it elevates the depth, or do you think he can think you bring him in to start, right? Odell Higgins likes to rotate his defensive tackles. He would prefer to have around six in a good year. So, you know, you got a guy like Coop, who you know you can trust, a guy like Dennis Briggs, who I know they certainly like. But after that, who else do they really have that we would describe as like a go-to? True Thompson's in that mix as a depth guy, but he's not a top put a rotation guy. He's more of a what about love it? guy up. So I think Shelton's a guy that you plug in there as a second, third, along with Love It being kind of that guy that gives you a real solid four of Love It, him, Shelton, yeah. and Briggs and Cooper. And I, I think that's what they're looking for. I don't think they obsess so much at that position of this is one A and this is one B as much as it's these are our four guys we want to be able to rotate, have depth, keep fresh legs out there, not have defensive linemen playing 60 snaps in a game like we saw a bit too frequently this past season for FSU. Yeah, I think I think Shelton is that. I I just I didn't know if you meant like bring him in as a piece that was going to come in and start because I think for Penn State he's a guy that he would have gone pro if he could have been drafted. You know, I think he had a, a a decent season this year, better than than his past. But I don't think it was you know if he if he could do what he wants to do, ideally he would go pro. So I don't really know if he's a a guy that's going to come and make a huge impact at FSU. Yeah, I think I think D tackle is one of those positions that's defined by your output in the sense of do you play to your maximum capability on every snap you get, mm-hmm. exhausting yourself and producing as much as possible within those snaps. I think it's much more valuable for a guy to play less snaps and do something of that sort 
than to have to essentially keep something in the tank because they have to play more snaps. So I think it's a position where, you know, if you're in that four, even five deep rotation, you're going to get enough at bats to kind of put something on film. I guess I didn't think that defensive tackle was going to be a huge need for them, but if they were able to find value in someone who could, who could help elevate the starting spot, that would have made sense Uh, to look at his numbers here. All right. His PFF grade this past year was 75.3 on 343 snaps. Last year, it was 70.3 on 376. So those are above average starting grades uh, for him as a starter. So someone who certainly has decent production at the Power 5 level. He has more than 1,000 snaps at the P5 level. He's gotten better every single one of his four years at Penn State. So there's some value there. Uh, and he has good grades. To take him. And, and he has really on the board at the position. Tywone Malone's the only other name we really know of right now at defensive tackle, high school kid. Yes, FSU's in the mix, but you're banking on him taking a January visit that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. You're also competing with Old Miss and several others in the SEC. You know, I, you just can't put all your eggs in that basket if you think you need another body in that room, which truthfully Mike Norvell was sort of mixed on when he spoke about in the post-signing day press conference about D-Tackle. I think they feel comfortable with what they have in that room, especially with the freshman additions. But I think if you're going to add a guy who's an instantaneous player who does elevate that room, you do. And maybe with those freshman additions, like those are long-term plays. You know that Shambray Jackson right. probably isn't going to be physically ready to play defensive tackle this year based on the weight gain that he needs to have. So uh, if you can buy some time and allow them to to get a year to develop, and, and that's valuable, I think, is, is how we perceive that if it happens. Uh, the I other – sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say I would love for him to add the Temple kid. I think he's one of the best transfers you're pursuing. Him or, or Leota. I think either one of those, the Northwestern one. Uh, the Temple one is a little bit more productive at a lower level. Um, yeah, I think I think either one of those. And I think we all agree defensive end probably – we'll play this game in a little bit, but defensive end is probably a, a still a position of need for them, right? Why is that? Oh, we want to we want to move on to a different subject here. Let's go into some personnel – updates so in the last few days since we've had the podcast a couple things have happened at florida state with its roster Uh, joshua kando declares for the nfl draft that wasn't a huge surprise based on information we had gotten in the past week janarius robinson i think we had talked about that before i'm not sure on the podcast or not because we did straight up mailbag last time he enters the nfl draft i initially thought those two guys were going to wait a little bit longer into the middle of the month to get feedback to kind of wait to see what their decisions were going to be because they had all the information they needed to make they both go pro. Leonard Warner enters the transfer portal. So that, Chris, is why defensive end becomes a dire position, a need for this team, and why Jermaine Johnson was was such a big get. I'm just glad I could help you out with that transition. It is what it is. None of those three guys were very productive for FSU. I always had high hopes and dreams for Kando becoming what I thought he could have been out of high school. He was your creative player. He was your uh, he, he was yeah. a freaky looking human being with great athleticism, but injuries derailed him and you know it never happened. Um more power to him. I hope it goes well for him at the next process and that they find some success in it. You know, maybe get on an NFL roster develop and see what comes of it, but it is what it is. Um the other exit from the roster in recent days, and this will surprise absolutely nobody. Wide receiver Warren Thompson has left the program, and we believe this is finally the last time he will leave the program, and FSU is probably a lot better for it, truthfully. 
who wins the head up uh, debate between Jordan Jordan Young and Warren Thompson that Josh and I have been having secretly for the last six months or so? Do I win that just by attrition? Jordan Young made it to the, the finish line. <laughs> I'll let Josh chime in since it's your argument. I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> Josh, I did feed you some bad information a few days ago when I said that Joshua Kando never had a sack against a Power 5 opponent. I omitted a, a two-sack game against Wake Forest in 2018. Oh, thanks, Brendan. So, um, so that's my fault. I, I set you up. Let's look back at the Armwood curse. I mean, oh, God. was FSU really cursed when they didn't have anybody from Armwood on the team? <laughs> it seems like the curse hit once they actually got somebody from Armwood on the team. Hey, here's something... When was the last time a player from Armwood, I'm asking this kind of facetiously, but when was the last time that someone from Armwood made a big impact at the college level? There has to be some, they come out, there's a blue chip guy who comes out like every year or so from there. Byron's in the league. He's still in the league, I believe. Obviously his college career was underwhelming and he certainly didn't live up to number one billing that some companies gave him, but he is in the league. I mean, Mm -hmm. that counts for something. I'd go either, I think it's, Either Leon McQuay, who started at safety for USC for, you know, two plus years, or I'd probably give it to Eric Stryker, who was a phenomenal college football player at Oklahoma, yes. kind of played in this, uh, you know, that strong safety role. He didn't have um, great NFL measurements, which is didn't have, yeah. I, I'd probably put Eric Stryker over all of them, even though Byron Cowart is in the league. I think he's still with the Patriots, actually. Eric Stryker's in the CFL currently, I believe. Man, he was that, a great that makes sense. Eric Stryker is a great football player who NFL and a great baseball player because of his size. It's oh, a great yeah. name for a baseball player and a defender. Um, I know for either one. You know, I loved from there. This is during my peak of of covering recruiting. Uh, the wide receiver he went to Florida. Alvin oh, Bailey. That's Alvin, Alvin Bailey. That oh. cat was so quick and fluid. Yeah. Uh, how he didn't work out is beyond me. Yeah, he ended his career, I think, at Youngstown. That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, never, never really made it after that. Yeah, uh, Matt Jones was productive at Florida. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, there's a so few, there's, but there's some. but not many. I mean, yeah, for as many that come out of Armwood, it is the ratio of uh, busts to stars is uncanny. It's I'm crazy. just glad we had that one last interview with Warren Thompson before he quit the team and didn't play in the game that week. That some was people, fantastic. Some people were trying to make that out as a as a turning point for uh, for old Warren. But why do you think Warren was given to us? It for me, I have no like clue. Why. I sure as hell didn't request him. I would say that someone requested him. Clearly, oh, was looking somebody? to work a story on it. Yeah, I won't say who, but someone was working on a story on it and wanted to make it out as a potential turning point. And I get it. At the end of the year, you're trying to gleam onto or hang on to any any little gleam of of possibility of potential to to say, oh, this is a turning point, but. We just had enough information on the. No, it was a turning point, all right. I guess it was just in the wrong direction. Turned I will say right that around and walked right off the track. <laughs> uh, can I talk about what happened now that he's he's gone? Like we've already left? talked about it a little bit, but yeah, go ahead. I was told that he dropped a pass, got yelled at by Norvell, and just walked away, and that was it. Maybe there's more to it, but that, that's what I was told. And that just kind of, to me, signifies what was a very rocky career at Florida State, one that's just mm-hmm. eminently disappointing. For him to have a drop and that be why he leaves, I can't. it doesn't get any more poetic than that. In all seriousness, like I do hope that Warren does land on his feet somewhere as someone I think needs structure of football and, and maybe a fresh start for him somewhere else would, would be helpful to him. It just didn't work out here. It's too bad. 
a ton of potential. All the physical tools were there. Uh, just the ability to be consistent as a pass catcher really prevented him from being impactful at any level here at Florida State. The biggest person that gets in Warren Thompson's way is Warren Thompson. Yeah, he's had multiple issues with multiple coaching staffs now. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. So wide receiver will be a position to continue to keep an eye on as FSU is going to try to replenish its depth here in the transfer portal, uh, maybe even in the 20. 21 uh, recruiting class as well for, for freshmen. So we'll keep an eye on that. I wanted to mention one other name that we kind of got away from. Uh, that's Nikeem Johnson from Syracuse. So wide receiver went mm. to the portal last week. Good numbers at Syracuse. I think back in 2018 when they had their big year, he had some really great production, but a special teams guy, good returner. So someone that I think just to keep on the radar for Florida State uh, because it is a Norvell type of, type of wide receiver, someone who could do a couple of different things. Uh, real quick, fellas, I want to go over there was like what 20 different 2022 quarterback offers i'm exaggerating some but but there were uh, about a half dozen or so i'm gonna give you guys the floor to talk about some of the offers that fsu put out at the potential you know quarterback of the future after they didn't get one in this uh freshman class well i think they're up yeah go ahead i think they're up to 12 total quarterback offers for that class some of those are lingering from prior staffs um but most of them are from this staff Sam Horn, who's at Collins Hill, I believe it is, up there in Georgia. Teammates with Travis Hunter, FSU commitment, having a monster junior season. He lands an offer last evening. He's the most recent one. Prior to that, they offered three basically simultaneously on Saturday evening. Those were Tanner Bailey from Gordo, Alabama. He's got Bama, Auburn, several others. Uh, They've been involved with him for some time. The offer just finally came. Braden Davis, who was at Lake Mineola this past season early in the year. I believe he's left that program. Heard some whispers he might land at IMG. He was in Delaware before he moved to the Sunshine State to play at Lake Mineola. He landed an offer from FSU. He has several others. Clemson's among them, I believe. And then Cade Klubnik, who is from Texas, Austin, Texas, right there, University of Texas area. Talented kid. Josh actually caught up with Cade, so I'll let I'll pass a baton there and let him talk a bit about him. Yeah, I, I spoke with uh <clears throat> Cade Klubnik, the Westlake quarterback coming off of a huge win over San Antonio Stevens High School. They won 71 to 14 in the third round of the playoffs. They head to the fourth round this weekend. Uh Klubnik told me that he threw for over 360 yards and five touchdowns. Big-time arm, big-time quarterback. Um, He told me that he got a text after the game from Coach Dillingham telling him to call him. He did. Uh, He got the offer over the phone. He said it wasn't a complete surprise, but it was great news to hear because him and Dillingham have been in contact since February or March, he said. Um, FSU, along with Auburn, UNC, Clemson, Georgia, and Texas are the main teams he talks to. Um, all of those programs, except for Clemson, has offered. Uh, he said that Clemson hasn't offered, but they talk just about the same amount. Um, here's a quarterback that we talk to now. It sounds like it's an early point of his recruitment, but he's going to make a decision here in the next like six months. Um, he told me that by probably May, he, he he's going to make a decision. Um, they're still in the playoffs. I think the Texas playoffs run like another three weeks. Westlake is probably going to play for a championship. So he said that some sometime after the state playoffs, probably in February and March, he's going to get on in the car with his parents and do some visits on their own to uh, to a couple campuses if visits aren't still allowed. 
So I expect FSU to be one of those stops that he makes, but ultimately they're going to have some, some big time competition for him. He's a Texas quarterback who right now only has an in-state offer from Texas, but I think as the, uh, the weeks wear on here, he's going to pick up some more offers. One thing to add to Josh's point, as of right now, things are shut down till tax day, April 15th. So unless that's altered, he would be taking those visits on his own dime. And, and I specifically asked that. And he, he said yes, like with his, like on their own. You mentioned Josh, I believe, uh, after following up with him, he has some ties to the Arkansas wide receiver. They also offered Isaiah uh, Satania or something like that. Speedster from Arkansas, whose dad is tied to Arkansas track and field. And I think his mom was in the Olympics out of LSU. Yeah, apparently his father, who is the coach at Arkansas, track and field coach at Arkansas currently, spent a lot of time previously in Austin. I don't know if he was at Texas. I was just told he was in Austin. I didn't do the research yet, but that's where the connection is. And the fact that those two offers went out at the same time definitely had something to do with each other. Not saying that they're a package deal by any means. I'm just saying that they are friends. They are tied together. They do do know each other. So the fact that, you know, they a QB and a wide receiver got an offer at the same time. It was tied together. Do you like one of the four more than the others? Mm, probably right now of the new four, I'd probably go with Cade. Um, just what he's doing in the state playoffs right now is crazy. I like 60 yards, five touchdowns. I like Sam Horn a lot. I've watched mm-hmm. him a lot this year because he plays with Travis. Him and Travis Hunter have connected on about two dozen touchdowns. This and the year. kid threw for almost fifty touchdowns, right? Yeah, he's you know he's six four, buck ninety. He's good athleticism to him. He can throw while moving. He's got a very good arm. I just like him. I'll take a kid from Georgia anytime at FSU as a quarterback. Does he remind you of Altmaier? I. Uh, put together a little bit more at this mm-hmm. stage than Altmaier was at this stage. Yeah. Um, I think the arm's got a little bit more just natural jump to it. Not that Altmaier had a bad arm by any stretch. I just think for Sam, it's a little easier to make those big throws with Luke. Mm-hmm. It kind of took him using his whole body, but he was good at doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that to him. And I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, Sam's ranked top 100 kid in the country, number four right. gross out quarterback. So mm-hmm. he's a good one. You know, we, we still think FSU likes A.J. Duffy a lot from California. He's a guy they've been involved with for a long time. Nico Markiole from Arizona is one we've obviously talked about a lot. And FSU's been hunting heavy with. I, I still think he's probably at the top of the queue for FSU um, just because the relationship is by far the most established of the quarterbacks that they're really truly in it with. Yeah, and they're also still recruiting M.J. Morris as well. He was a, a top guy that they offered early on now. Before we move on, Brendan, I want to address one thing. What do all these QB offers mean? Because we see a lot of panic on the message boards right now. What does this mean about Mark Yell? Did they get a sign from MJ Morris that he's not interested? No. Guys, these, these quarterbacks that just got offered are finishing their junior year of high school. So the staff is just doing what they do, which is going down the line and continuing to evaluate quarterbacks. The first group of quarterbacks was offered off of their sophomore film. There's a lot of development that goes on. Hell, some quarterbacks, most quarterbacks don't even start in high school until their junior year, you know, depending on what kind of program you're at. So the fact that these offers going out now doesn't mean anything besides the fact that the FSU staff is doing their job. Did you guys get the picture I just sent you? No, I don't, I don't have my phone on me while we're potting. This is way too important. 
I I agree with Josh. I, I think it's more casting a wide net. I think it's also a matter of you've got a lot of film to sit down and look at finally, and you don't have games to plan for. So you're able to sit down and look at said film. Mm-hmm. So I, right. They want a quarterback in every class. I think that's pretty clear with the staff. Um, you know, I, I do think MJ Morris is trending away from FSU. I actually heard Georgia Tech a few weeks back was making a real nice move there. But, you know, I, I don't expect MJ Morris in Tallahassee. No, I don't expect MJ Morris in Tallahassee either, nor did I from the beginning. But uh, my crystal ball for 2022 right now, I have one quarterback crystal ball. That's uh, Nico Marchio. Uh Based on every all the new developments, I still wouldn't change my pick from him. Um, we'll see if that changes as I try to catch up with all the quarterbacks that were offered. Uh, I got Cade Klubnik on the phone yesterday. I'll try to get the others. Uh, you guys can read all those stories on Knowles 24-7. Let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we're going to play a draft-oriented game, which you guys know I'm really excited about. Stick with us. It toots his horn. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, welcome back to On the Bench. We are going to finish up this podcast by kind of going into, this is going to be a fun exercise, at least one that I think is going to be fun, for us to go through at, at looking at FSU's remaining scholarships and how we think those are going to be distributed position-wise. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the needs and, and kind of how we thought those would play out, but now we're going to kind of go with our own individual look of how we would, if we were filling out the roster here for Florida State, how we would distribute FSU's remaining scholarships. So before we get into our individual choices, uh, let's take a look at what FSU currently has. So right now they have 19 players accounted for in this class. If you include the three transfer additions, 20 uh, if you include chemo, which do we have an update on that, Josh, real quick before uh, he's committed, he's not signed. Do we have anything on chemo? No, he went to LSU last weekend. No, nothing new. Going to make his final decision, quote unquote, final decision, even though he's committed to FSU, uh, closer to signing day. I did have a conversation right, so- with somebody tied to Niceville, not the assistant coach that people know. I talked to somebody else that knows chemo. Um, <clears throat> I was told right now it's very much LSU and FSU. Mm-hmm. He really enjoyed LSU. They think he's sort of crushing on LSU. I'm still not 100% convinced that LSU would take him um that's kind of the big question mark there but the consistent messaging I've heard from the FSU side is that yeah they would love to still have him but I don't think they feel like they're being held hostage by him offensive guard is not an essential addition for FSU going forward in this class 
And FSU has room. So I'm sure there's people listening saying, oh, well, why don't they just move on from him? Well, FSU has plenty of room. Why move on from a guy that you've built a relationship with for months that you would, you know, be a welcome addition to the team? He's a guard. That's why we say that um, he's not a high priority or he's not a guy that they'd probably replace, but he's definitely a guy that they have room for and would take. Okay, so with that in mind, we have about, let's say, six to seven scholarships remaining for Florida State to use to fill out its class. Uh, let's just say seven for this exercise. We'll give ourselves the extra one. So uh, I want to go through and get your guys' thoughts on on how you would use those seven. Not what you think is going to happen, or you can apply that here, but what you would do if you were filling out FSU's seven remaining scholarship spots. What positions and, and what you know class would you be going on? High school guys, would you be going on grad transfers, JUCO guys at those positions? what you would do to kind of fill out this roster and get it where it needs to be. Josh, I know you've put a little bit more time and thought into this than, than Chris and I have up to this point. So I'll start off with you. I actually haven't. You haven't? No, not but, at all. But you said you're going to write an article about it. Yeah. I haven't started writing said article. So we're all at the same starting point. Okay. I've okay. actually sketched it out on this notepad here. I'm doing the same oh, thing right So there now. you go. Chris wins. He's ahead of all of us, <laughs> but go, what was your question to me? I, what was my question? It was for you to play the freaking game. I, what, how would you, want you me to list them in order? You know what, Chris? No, no, Josh, no, 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 Chris, you go, no, 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 first. Josh, Josh go, go first. He has earned the right. Hold on, Brendan, slow down. You did a shitty job of introducing <laughs> the game. Are we, am I saying them in positions of priority? Am I saying them in terms of like, oh, do you want to go layers and like, yeah, I was just going to go through. I thought we'd say the seven and then go from there. Okay. Yeah. Let's go for tiers. Like what would be your first, like the big, like, all right, priority, I'll start which there. I'll start at the to top get. and go down. So okay. priority number one for me with my six to seven more scholarships remaining would be offensive tackle. First and foremost, I'm going to the transfer market and I'm landing myself a bona fide left tackle that can come in and start tomorrow for Florida state. After that priority number two, Give me two wide receivers at two. I think I think they need two wide receivers. Obviously, I'm pe- penciling in Destin Hill is one, and then the other one I'm going for the for the transfer market. Uh, third priority, give me defensive end. I know they just landed one, but damn, do we need pass rushers? Veteran linebacker would be my four my fifth scholarship. Um, veteran linebacker for five, and then give me. Uh, um, the depth addition at defensive tackle of Shelton at six and a veteran running back at seven. Boom. There you go. In order of importance. Okay. I'm right. afraid these are all going to seem very similar, but Chris, you go nope, ahead. Nope. I actually differ quite a bit. First priority for me is not a defensive end. If you can get a high level defensive end bookends, it changes the whole defense. I think it's extremely important. I like the defensive end class they brought in, but I don't know how many of those guys you can shovel out there game one and they help you truly a great deal. My second one would be wide receiver because it's the greatest need from a number standpoint. Probably take two there. One from the high school ranks, hello, Destin Hill. One from the transfer ranks, Andrew Parchment probably still leads that bunch. Mm -hmm. Next up for me is offensive tackle, which was Josh's top priority. That may be higher for me if there was an offensive tackle transfer out there right now who I was in love with. There is not, so that kind of probably you know swings a bit for me there are defensive ends currently out there in the market that i do love next up for me would be a defensive tackle probably not the highest priority as compared to some other spots but again value i like tywon malone a ton out of high school ranks shelton's a good transfer there'll be some others that come along 
Next up would be kind of a swing where it could be any of the bunch. It could be keep chemo, offensive guard, not a massive need, but it's nice to keep a commitment, a guy that you like who is talented and will help you. And there's a reason LSU is kicking the tires or running back transfer, not a super duper need, but it will help them if they get a versatile guy who can do a lot of different things. I mean, hell, if they add all the running back transfers we read about on Twitter, they're going to be absolutely loaded in the backfield. And then my other one would be the linebacker transfer, possibly. That kind of depends on what comes from exit interviews. If the linebacker room stays as is, I don't know that they need a linebacker transfer. They're going to play Lundy a lot. They're going to play Dix a lot. Gainer's expected back. There's your three starting linebackers. You might get Rice back. That's another one that falls into that mix. Yes, there's guys in that room who they need to come along, develop, you know, specifically those three second-year guys. If you keep two of those three, then I still don't know if it's a massive need. If you lose all of those three, then yes, it becomes a need. So that's sort of the swing. So a DN, two receivers is two and three. Offensive tackle is four. Defensive tackle is five. Running back is six. And then offensive guard or linebacker transfer with chemo being the offensive guard would be your seven. Okay. So I differ a little bit from you, Chris. So my, my tier of guys, I think there's a first group offensive tackle, a left tackle type, like Josh said, I think is, would be huge to be able to give you the flexibility to move Darius Washington around uh, Devontae Love Taylor around that just is kind of like the final missing piece to elevate your offensive line from below average to finally get you to the average, maybe even above average range for Florida state. So I think getting a true left tackle would just open up all sorts of possibilities. That would be huge. I don't know if that exists in the transfer portal right now, uh, but as soon as that kind of guy enters, I expect FSU to go all in on him. Uh, also in that first tier, two wide receivers. I think we're all kind of in agreement there. One in the transfer portal, one in high school, Destin Hill would make sense. Maybe they have some other guys that are keeping on the back burner as well, but I think you need to still replenish that room with Warren Thompson leaving, with maybe some other attrition potentially possible. Uh, it's just a position group they need to continue to build on both the low end for potential and the high end for uh, for immediate viability right now with the transfer type. And then the fourth part of the first tier I had was a defensive end still. I think you still have to go ahead, get a transfer in the market with the veteran experience. It's not that I don't like George Wilson or Patrick Payton. I actually really like both of those guys. I just think you want to avoid putting them in a position to where they're having to start immediately as freshmen if they're not quite ready, want to use them more situationally. So if you can get either the, the Northwestern defensive end, the Temple defensive end, or kind of wait and see what else is out there to give you yourself a one-two punch with Jermaine Johnson, I would feel much better about the defense moving forward if you can add to there. So that's four. Uh, the next for me, I think you need a gadget type of guy still in this class, whether it's at the high school level or as a transfer prospect, either a wide receiver a running back, someone who can do a little bit of both. Uh, I think you're going to look at FSU to try to be creative to get that one more kind of twitchy playmaker type to uh, to what go ahead. Maybe the, what about the two on the roster? What about Ja'Kai Douglas and Corey Wren? Because aren't those like well, so? But, need more? Well, I, I think Lawrence Tofilly would be the first like one in that line there before those two, Josh. Are you um, moving on from Wren and Douglas? I'm not moving on from them, but they're both were freshmen. They both you – know, Wren was injured. Uh, Douglas – Looked okay at times. His numbers ended up being fine at the end of the season, but also had some issues with drops. I just think if you can go ahead and like this, this team needs guys who can make people miss in space. No doubt. Right? I'm just saying, do you get nervous about loading up on, you know, now you got two guys that are under six foot that now you're going to add a third, maybe a fourth. 
You can never have too many pass rushers, Josh, and I don't think you can ever have too many playmaker uh, gadget type of guys. You do so many different things with them. I think those are those are two positions that good coaching staffs can find ways to to get those guys utilized and on the field. So yeah, I just didn't see Ren and Douglas utilized all that much. So I just was wondering. Yeah, and it's still TBD with those guys. That's why I think if you can elevate it uh, with the transfer type, that would be mm-hmm. be a big deal or a hammer. Or sledgehammer, and I think even that I would kind of leave it up to. Like, if you want to take that spot and give it to the big bruising, two hundred twenty pound back, too, I'd be right. okay with with allocating that spot to that. I think a playmaker of some sort on offense, still like a wild card. Uh, so that's five for me. After that, I think it gets kind of you're just going with value at that point. I don't know if I would think that a defensive tackle like in the transfer portal was a huge need. Like that's I'm not surprised you're taking Shelton, but uh, because he represents value. But you know, if you can get Tywone Malone. I would allocate, I guess, one spot to there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would add one to defensive tackle. I just thought maybe you would skew more young there, but I get it if you want to use that in, in the in the portal. Uh, offensive line, I think you can go back and, and dip back around to either a high upside freshman type if you can find one in the late part of the recruiting process, or if you can go ahead and get a swing tackle as a as a grad transfer, someone who maybe isn't going to to be a starter, but I mean, if you can get a second starter at like at right tackle, that'd be great. If not, uh, I wouldn't mind spending an extra scholarship there at an experienced swing tackle type who, who can kind of elevate the depth throughout that entire position group. In addition to the left tackle that we're hoping for. And then finally I'd use a wild card spot on either like a linebacker or a safety, somebody who can maybe even do a little bit of both uh, like a stud position for you, allow you to move Amari Gaynor around some. So I would be on the lookout for that too, is how I would use the, the seventh, the final one. God, I love that so much. It was like sex. Oh, where's my cigarette, guys? I'm leaving. Is that everything? Are we done? Uh, yeah, that is everything. Should I have just ended it on that note? No, I think um, that's about it. What are we expecting this week? Anything major between now and uh, New Year's? Well, school starts a little bit after New Year's, so I think mid-year transfer-wise, you're still looking for maybe one or two more of those types. Um also depends on who enters the portal with how all this works, where it's such mm-hmm. a quick turnaround at times. I mean, they've landed three guys that entered the portal and we think one of them committed within two, three days of entering. And the other two did legitimately commit within like a day of entering. Um, uh, McClellan committed within like hours, right? Right. Entering? And then yeah. Johnson was pretty quick turnaround for him actually entering the portal. There was some of that pre-portal action that we know is going down in college football right now, but he didn't enter the portal when his first name, his name was first attached to the portal. Right. It was like a full week. And FSU, real quick to that, Chris, FSU made its push, its strong push once it was able to have contact directly with him. Uh, That night he entered the portal, uh, Mike Norvell had a meeting with him over Zoom. And I think that's what FSU, like Norvell was able to win him over with that meeting, which was big time. One thing going on this week that doesn't directly impact FSU, but could indirectly, is I think the Army Bowl, because it's not being played, is doing like a half dozen announcements associated with the game of some big targets, like a Tristan Lay, the offensive tackle, who's a national target. When some of those guys come off the board, supply and demand season will kick into gear for a couple of schools that are you know, feeling like they got a 50-50 shot right now, and that can sometimes change the board. For example, if a school is expecting a D-tackle to commit, they miss on them. Suddenly they jump into Taiwan Malone recruitment. It can alter the whole landscape. You know, Things like that are about to happen 
that always happens with all-star season, which this year there really isn't one because of the fact those games are not happening. But there are still some commitments happening in that same time frame. Also kind of related to what Florida State may be looking for to kind of round out its roster, I believe that this week is the final week of exit meetings for players at Florida State. So you know, if there's more portal stuff, it could come in the next few days if, if there's a guy has an exit interview and is told – he's not going to be a part of the roster or he may say he want to be. So I, I would keep an eye out on some potential attrition this week, although with in between Christmas and the new years, I think that does make some of the uh, clerical stuff of actually entering the portal, make a little short. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time to do it. So, so we'll see maybe this week, uh, but that's something to keep an eye on for. Uh, is there anything else? I think there's one more thing that I wanted to throw out there before we wrap Men's up. Men's and women's hoops are both in action. This that wasn't meeting. what I was going to throw out there, but go ahead. <laughs> the men travel to Clemson, then host Duke. The women get back at it later in the week. I think they play Virginia Tech on Thursday, I want to say. Um, you know, it's an important stretch for the men. It starts 19 straight ACC games. It's important that they play better than they did in their last two outings before Christmas break. I remember the Chris Thompson. I know we talked about that a little bit on the last podcast. Nothing new there with, with Chris Thompson. There was the report out that he was going to Texas Tech as the O-line coach. Uh, I don't think that report has been retracted or anything like that. We haven't received any update for Florida State right now. Uh, Texas Tech still has an offensive line coach. So until that changes, I don't expect there to be any significant traction with, with that rumor right now. So once Texas Tech, if it does get rid of an offensive line coach, then I think, okay, we'll, we'll circle back around to it nothing that we're really aggressively pursuing right now um all right i think that's everything i'm gonna go sell more bngo stock and make make, make my nut Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.